1: This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com.
0: Bobby Orr, behind the net, of Orr! Or the Orr! Bobby Orr! Orr! For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup.
1: Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old time hockey. Like Eddie Shore. Yeah. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Pruitt.
2: Yeah. He's a little bit on the hot
1: seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Oh. Hey, Scott! Lay some up for some bees talk right now.
0: I'm gonna a dev.
1: It's the Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome into episode 102 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian D. Felice, joined by Scott McLaughlin and Bridget Prue. And here we go, guys, again. It's a heat wave in New England. Um, but there's still hockey to be talked about. So I'm going to throw it over to you, Scott, real quick. Um, you know, the Bergeron-Creechie signings still have yet to, to happen, um, but the Bruins did make a trade um, on day one of free agency. So I'll throw it to you for that. Yeah, traded
0: Eric Holla for Pavel Zaka. And so far that's about the, the highlight of the off season. That's that's really uh, the only significant move they've made. You know, they've signed a bunch of depth guys, a bunch of, you know, Providence guys. Uh, the P Bruins roster is rounding into form. Um, Other than that, it's still, it's just the waiting game. It's waiting to hear the decisions on on Bergeron and Krejci. And it's, I mean, it clearly looks like the team has been constructed with those guys' return in mind. Um, But we also thought that last year, because they didn't go out and get a second line center. And we thought, well, they like, Krejci must be coming back and they must have some sort of plan to fit him in. And then he didn't. And it was uh, Charlie Coyle and Eric Holla and whoever else is second line center. Um, You know, I I think all all the signs certainly seem to be that Bergeron's going to be back. Like there has been nothing to really go against that. We we've heard stories of him calling draft pick or texting draft picks. He called Pavel Zachary right after the trade. He's, Jim Montgomery said that they've now talked multiple times. Uh, Montgomery did an interview on Tuesday with uh, TSN radio in Ottawa, um, which is also like that's a show that Bruce Cassidy used to always go on too. So I guess it's it's like they've like the WEI interviews the Patriots quarterback deal. Like I guess for whatever reason, TSN in Ottawa just interviews the Bruins coaches all the time. Um, But in that interview, Montgomery said that he's talked to Bergeron multiple times now and kind of reiterated what he said in his press conference, which is is like, I know I'm not going to have to worry about the room. And they, they asked him, they're like, so are you basically telling us that he's back? And Montgomery laughed and he was like, nice try. Um, but it's like, all right, well, why are they talking multiple times if he's not coming back? Why are they talking about the locker room and handling, you know, the team and players and all that if Bergeron isn't coming back? So, uh, Zaka basically said in, in his press conference that, like, he was looking forward to having Bergeron as his captain and, you know, meeting him in person in training camp. And it's like, okay, yep, like, he's he's back. He is. They, they, they're just working out the details. I and mean, we can get into, like, what some of those details might look like and maybe, you know, why there's this hang-up. Um, you know, on Krejci, we've heard a little bit less. It hasn't – you know, we're not really hearing from guys who are saying – Yeah, David Krejci called me or texted me. But, uh, you know, really, like, the last thing we got was Lou's report that, um, Lou Maloney's report that Krejci and the Bruins were uh, negotiating a return, or, you know, however exactly he worded it, uh, in negotiations to return. Um, And then Kevin Weeks of ESPN confirmed that, basically said the same thing. So it still seems positive there, um, but nothing official and i guess i wouldn't be at this point i'd be shocked if bergeron isn't back i'd be less shocked if creche isn't back but um certainly still leaning toward towards him uh returning because that everyone keeps saying like things seem to be positive
2: yeah no and i i feel like when when was the last time we recorded It, it seemed like it was you know gonna happen just, any second yeah it was
0: just before free agency started and we, yeah we, it was
2: like okay tomorrow we'll find out you know that like bergeron signed whatever contract and create but then like every day has gone by and we're just sitting here like okay well there's clearly some timing reason why this isn't happening yet more which is more likely than like scott mentioned that they're not coming back at all but um the timing has to do with trying to figure out the cap situation and they're currently you know really limited in terms of cap space and I, don't, I know you guys probably looked into this a little bit too but zaka's as soon as he came in went into arbitration for his contract as well so um i think that was maybe one of the reasons why uh they had him in new jersey just kind of let him let him walk because of his arbitration. But, um, but yeah, so there's been just no cap space to open up for them yet. And whether that will be a trade of, you know, we've heard the defenseman's names out there where, you know, Riley or Grizzlik, it's a little bit of like redundancy and either of those players maybe could be some of it, they decide to move, but I'm not sure we see the Bergeron-Krejci contracts come all the way to fruition until they have found a way to move this cap.
1: So I got two things. The first thing is that, Bridget, I'm just now noticing the sign behind you that says Melvin Village, which <laughs> I believe you got inspired by your dog, Melvin. Which, if not, that's a coincidence. But if you no, did, that's it, hilarious. No, it's not
2: a coincidence. He's named after a town in New Hampshire.
1: Okay, got it, got that's
2: it. How, and but no, but now he's he's been there this summer, and he thinks it's his village. He's just like I'm the king of this place. Clearly, everybody has signs that say it's my town. So, yes, that's Melvin. Melvin's village.
1: I love it. Um, so one one source, guys, who I've been, you know, he he makes me feel. Uh, uh, comforted when, when he, when he tweets out his stuff is John Bouchergras, who we've had on this podcast. He always, he, he always has his ear to the ground and he, he, right now on Twitter, and look, we talked about Lou, you guys talked about Lou, you talked about Kevin Weeks, but Bouchergras has this, uh, he's like doubling down essentially. He has this, you know, this merch sale that's on Twitter and people can use the, the, the sales active until the Bruins sign Bergeron and and I just feel like uh, it's inevitable I, to what Bridget said. I just think that they're waiting for dominoes to fall. I, I mean, um, it has to be their plan. It just it's it, like you, like you guys said: is is it Forbert going out? Is it Riley? Is it Grizzly? Is it Smith? Is it you know whatever? Um, clearly, if the if the, clearly they're waiting for cap space to free up. Like Bridget said before, they perform these these transactions. Unlike we talked about before, where like they don't have to be cap compliant. Right now, they just have to be cap compliant until uh, um, by opening night. So this delay is telling me that they don't want to do that. They want to be cap compliant or as close to it as possible when they do sign these guys. Um, Again, isn't it
2: like ten? Isn't it ten percent? You can only go over ten percent. Yeah. So I don't know if they'd really, you know, maybe need to move even more than that in order to fall under. um, Uh,
0: I think that they could definitely fit under that, no problem, because I don't think. The other thing here is, like, I don't think Bergeron and Krejci's cap hits are going to be especially high. Um, And Don Sweeney basically hinted at this in his press conference um, whenever it was. uh, The first day of free agency, I think. Uh, He was asked, like, you know, could it be more incentive-laden deals? And he said, yeah, that's something we'll look at. Uh, And if people want to, like, really get into the weeds of how, incentive laden deals work in the NHL uh I have some on wi.com but just there to, it is yep hey gotta promote always be
1: promoting
2: waiting uh, he didn't really um,
1: Scott he didn't really say um he didn't really say it was a possibility his response to that question was actually kind of more of a matter of fact he kind of his yeah. tone of his his tone was almost like kind of like that's exactly what we're gonna do
0: yeah, and so part of, you know, what could be delaying all this is like figuring out exactly how you want to structure that. Like, is it, you know, is it totally tilted towards, um, you know, towards incentives where it's like a $1 million cap hit and then whatever, else, you know, whatever running crates you want to get paid, whether it's, I don't know, let's say 4 or $5 million, then it's 3 to $4 million in incentives. You can go up to it it, so it's like seven and a half percent of the cap. So it's like six point two million over the cap in incentives. So, you know, basically like you could be right at the cap, give Berger and Cratey three point one million in in incentives each, and technically be cap compliant for this season. The problem is, you'd have to you'd have to finance
2: incentives that they don't feel like they're getting screwed over if no, like they, that they're impossible to reach
0: no no they would all be very easily achievable it'd be like play 10 games get 10 points like they'd be <laughs> stupid like if you remember so if you remember what the Bruins did this with Jerome Ginla back in 2013-14 and his biggest uh performance bonus was 3.7 million dollars for playing 10 games so now the trade-off to keep this on Ginla. The trade-off is is whatever you go over the cap in, in, in performance bonuses is a cap hit against you next year. So back in 2013-14, the Bruins carried over $4.2 million of, a, of an Ginla cap hit against them for the 2014-15 season. Again, meanwhile, I was playing in Colorado, so he's not even here. And the Bruins couldn't build out a you know a good roster. Had that's like why they had to trade Boychuk miss the playoffs and Peter Shirelli gets fired. So if you're Don Sweeney, you better know, like, if you're taking that approach, do you have a plan for next year as well? Like, are you actually okay with carrying over that much of a a cap hit against next year's roster? And do you have any assurances from Cam Neely ownership that they're okay with that approach and they're okay with, you know, just accepting a step back next year and next year is the real reset that, everyone's kind of been waiting for because if not, then you risk going the way of Peter Shirelli, where it really hurts you next year. You can't build a playoff team and you're out of a job.
1: Yeah. Unless they anticipate, um, you know, some, some entry-level deals playing a big factor the, the following year, like a Lori or Lysel who wouldn't really have much of a cap hit at that point. But I mean, your point, your point is incredibly, uh, you know, valid. Uh, that's why it's such a, uh, I I don't yeah it's I don't see a way where Don Sweeney pulls this off without jeopardizing the future to an extent um simply because they don't have the cap space so it's like you're either gonna you're either gonna suffer uh, the cap space is either gonna 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 come back to haunt you this year by not being able to sign them or next year because of these you know incentives that they end up you know um, hitting inevitably so um but you know look again looking at it in a vacuum, you still have, you know, you still have a chance to to have a, a, a very um, capable winning team this year. If you're looking at the Bruins one year at a time, worry about tomorrow tomorrow. The Bruins have a chance to, you know, to be a a contending team, albeit an older contending team, but contending nonetheless if they can get these guys signed and uh, with the rest of the roster that they that they currently have. Um, so if you look at the Bruin, if you're just worrying about this coming year. The Bruins have a chance to, to be right up there with some of the top 10 teams if, if they can get these guys signed and worry about tomorrow then. Like I said, you have some young players that will be on some team-friendly deals because they'll be in entry levels uh, next year. Still have the Pashnak thing looming over, but um, you know McAvoy's already been paid. So I, I, guess, I guess it's still just a wait and see. I mean, we'll see if Don Sweeney can somehow not um, – Threaten their 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 financial future with this deal, but with these deals, but I don't see how that can happen.
0: Yeah, and I'll also add to this discussion that uh, another thing from that press conference last week with Sweeney is I got the impression that he isn't really looking to trade a defenseman. In fact, at one point he said they might look to add one because, at, as he pointed out, like they they always have a bunch of injuries on in defense. For now, most teams do, you know very few teams stay healthy on the blue line, like straight through a season or a postseason. season. Um, but I, I asked Sweeney directly, like, did he, does he feel like he needs to move out an NHL contract from the blue line? Because they're going to have eight of them once uh, McAvoy, Grizzly and Riley are all back. And he basically took it the other way. And he was like, I, I don't see that as a, a problem at all for whatever reason. Like they always seem to go through, defenseman and you know he said like kind of it's kind of like a more than merrier situation and you know so like all along we've been saying that was sort of the natural place to move out salary we, we touched on earlier whether it's grizzly riley for like those seem like fairly tradable contracts but if they're if their approach is no we need like as many bodies back there as possible and we're not looking to subtract from that group then you know, then where are you freeing up salary? Like that makes me believe even more that they're really going to lean into this um, low cap hit, lots of incentives for Bergeron and Krejci and kind of just accept next season as, as a major reset.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, when you think about it that way, especially knowing that to start the season, like and McAvoy are not going to be able to play for about a month anyway. It makes sense that you. It would be hard to move on from, say, Riley at that point because now you're down three. You know of your defenseman that you had last season, and it, it makes sense to try to keep, at least for now, you know, some backups in there, some insurance that if you know if recovery doesn't go well or there's another injury that comes up, you. You have people like you have physical bodies that you can put on the ice. So that makes sense. And I was just looking, Brian, at what you said, the the Bucci Krejci Bergeron thing. He literally changed his Twitter to his like Twitter name to Bucci Krejci Bergeron. And he tweeted out a few hours ago uh, that the summer sale on all of his merch uh, sale ends when the Bruins announced Bergeron and Krejci signings. <laughs> Hurry up! It might be today. And Scott and I joked yesterday. What are the odds that we record an entire podcast and then, like, ten minutes later, we look up and we have this and it <laughs> changes the whole? We we'll have to re- re-record again.
1: It wouldn't be the first time. No, it would not. <laughs> so, does that Scott does it? Does that um? Does that situation that you painted a few minutes ago about if the Bruins uh, sign Bergeron and create you with the incentive laden deals uh, and jeopardize next year and kind of accepting maybe a, a reset? How do you sell that to somebody like Pashnak, who you know doesn't probably want to go through a, a reset during in his in his mid mid to late twenties?
0: I well, I, I guess maybe first off you hope he doesn't notice or bring it up, but. Um, <laughs> Beyond that, you sell it as short term. You know, like, hey, this is what we're doing to make one last one run with Bergeron and Krejci. Yeah, there might be a temporary step back, and then we're gonna get like the next group in place. And and you're a key part of that. Um I don't know. I don't know if he buys that. I don't know how he feels about that. Like, um, but I think if you're saying like, hey, you're you're the centerpiece of of everything after this with you know, it's you and Charlie McAvoy, and then you also have, you know, your core of Lindholm, Swayman, Carlo, uh, you know, Zaka, if you get him locked up. Lysel would
1: be there. I mean, Lysel would be in the conversation. Yeah, Lysel
0: for sure. Like, yeah, so that's that's how you position it, is, yeah, there might be a temporary step back, which there always was going to be once those guys left, Um, but you're your centerpiece of what we're building to come after that
1: so i mean like in in light of uh recent events with you know um you know players like johnny goudreau leaving the flames and now there's rumors about matthew Kuchuk leaving the flames and because they want to go back home and play in the united states and my point is like um there's a lot of chatter out there that a lot of you know, uh, American-born players that are playing in, for a Canadian team, like, all the restrictions the last few years, is it's really making it an, not much of a desirable place to be playing right now in Canada. So, like, when people's contracts are coming to an end, that there could be some, some more player movement um, than maybe uh, anticipated. So, like, if you look at the Bruins' roster long-term, they seem to be fine at every position besides center. You know what I mean? Like, so... When that time does come, I feel like they might be able to purchase, um, you know, or you know, maybe trade for um, centers—a a one, a number one or number two center—easier um, than they probably would have before. I mean, it, you, the rest of your team would be set. If you're talking about a rebuild, you really when we talk about a Bruins rebuild they really only have to rebuild the center ice position. It's not like a, a, a team-wide rebuild. So, like, you just routed off some players. I mean, you'll have McAvoy, Lindholm. Um, you know, Mason Lori is very promising. Brandon Carlo. You'll have Taylor Hall and, and, and Lysel and, and Pashnak, hopefully. Um, and just, you know, so the, my point is, like, I, I feel like if the Bruins have to reset, it's really just resetting the center ice position. And I feel like they can perhaps get that in the market, um, or via trade, easier than, than, than I I may have thought before, and it doesn't necessarily have to just be through the draft. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but when I think about a Bruins rebuild, and you really think about it, it it seems a lot more glaring than it is because the center's position is so important. But it's really just that one position. Everywhere else, they're fine, and or you can just you know you can replace people on the wing at the, at defense, but you have your key guys at all positions but center going forward yeah
0: I, I think it the reset could happen quickly and you know meaning like a year or two rather than five or six um I guess the problem like you can get a first and or second line center the question is what are you willing to pay like we're, we're still waiting to see what Nazem Kadri signs for he's you know obviously the biggest name still out there on the free agent market but I think that's going to tell us a lot about like because I don't, I don't think. Despite putting up a ton of points this season, I don't. I still don't really think of Kadri as like a true number one center. I think he's a really good number two. Um, but whatever he gets is going to tell us a lot about like what that market looks like, and kind of what guys are going to be able to expect going forward. Um, but you know, I think it's. I think it's going to be a lot. Like I think he's probably going to get, even with this delay and maybe some teams kind of dropping out. I, st- I still bet he gets like seven and a half million a year, like at least. Um, you know, it might not be up in like the nine to ten range that some people were talking about early on, but it's it's going to be high. And so that raises the question of like, are the Bruins going to be a team willing to give that kind of huge money deal to someone from outside the organization? Because if you think about it, like they they haven't really done that in a while. They've given. Longer deals to their own guy. They finally broke, you know, that Krejci, Rast, Chara, Bergeron ceiling with the McAvoy deal, and presumably want to do it again with Pasternak. Um, But like other than that, like they haven't been a team that's gone out and given out, you know, a seven by eight contracts. And so, uh, but they they might have to that, or they might have to trade, you know, one or two of these elite prospects like, like a Lysel or Lori, um, to go trade for a number one center. So you can do it. It's just, what are you willing to pay? Because it's, it's going to be expensive. Obviously they'd really love for one of these centers they have coming up, you know, to, to pop and become something. And, you know, you're probably looking at like, like a Georgie Merkulov has the highest offensive upside, I think. Um, you know, some, maybe like, someone like Brett Harrison pops kind of had a breakout year in the OHL last year, but that's, you know, that's really optimistic, optimistic. And to think it's, to think they're going to get to that level within the next year or two is, is even more optimistic and probably unlikely.
2: No, that doesn't seem, I mean, that doesn't seem likely at all that it would be The in the first year after Bergeron and Krejci are out, that they would already have a replacement from within doesn't seem. It would seem like you would need at least a few years of NHL experience for someone to develop into. I'm not even saying like a replacement for Bergeron at that level, but even to come anywhere near um, what Pasternak would probably expect from having his, you know, someone on his line. So. No, it seems like that would be a ways out. And and I think that still, obviously, we don't have the Bergeron and Krejci deals, you know, put out yet uh, or, you know, finalized yet. But I still think that the, the Pasternak deal is is the thing that kind of just looming in the back of everyone's mind because that's at most you're getting, you know, another two years from Bergeron, but you won't Pasternak he's the big one that you you need to figure out soon and you need to figure out this year. And just, we just don't really know how those negotiations have gone um, too much so far. And it's going to be important the whole season. A lot of times the guys don't want to talk about it during the season. So um, ideally, you know, it wouldn't even, it doesn't get to the point where we're <laughs> midway through the season and going, well, I guess you might just test free agency then.
1: See, I, I feel like, uh, you know, just real quick, back to like the, the spending and, and it's gonna cost you to, to to go out there and buy like a, a number one center or whatever. I feel like it's it shouldn't be, it like everybody in the NHL is gonna spend. Like you have to spend, but it's it's a lot tougher to do that when you're spending on your bottom six. Like I, I feel like you're gonna have to pay for good players, and if you don't have them in your system, you have no choice but to go pay for them. But the problem is, like. Your system, your farm system, your prospect system, isn't necessarily going to um produce high end talent in a given stretch of years, but it should always be able to, you know, give you cheap labor on the fourth line. I mean, it's it really should. And I and I feel like the Bruins need to get to a point where they're no like after they lost to the Islanders, it's like they went out and they and, and you know, they spent on no sick. They spent on on you know Halla, who wasn't meant to be a fourth liner, but you spent and on those. No Brian, sick.
2: they have a fourth liner in Nick Felino who's making almost well, four million dollars a year. Yeah, like and, that's
1: ridiculous. And that's that. He he was the next name I was going to say. It's like they they play the Islanders, they lose to a better fourth line. So of course the Bruins sit there and say, well, we need to go out and address that that weakness, and they go out and spend for it. But you shouldn't be spending you you shouldn't be spending that much on 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 your bottom, certainly not your fourth line. Your your bottom six forwards and specifically your fourth line, you sh- you should be able to groom that up. every you know every four or five years. Like there's there's plenty of players who are hungry in the minors who can go and play on a roll and play you know six to ten minutes a night and move their feet and forecheck check and, and play a hard nosed game. You shouldn't have to go out and buy buy those guys in free agency going forward. So if the Bruins have to spend you know at the top of their roster, that's where you should spend the money. Uh, I mean, look at Mark Savard, right? When the Bruins were, um, when the Bruins, were, were, you know, were rebuilding a little bit in that the mid two um, thousands, no, know, you went out and you spent on Char. You went out and you spent on Mark Savard, um, and you know, Mark Savard was a true number one center, and he was there. He was your number one center until concussion issues, and um, more importantly, until Krejci and Bergeron were were ready to be those next, you know, number one, number two centers. So, if if some of the guys that they drafted recently um, end up being um, fixes on his team long term that's awesome but um they're gonna have to you know the second Bergeron and Krejci I'm not even gonna talk about Krejci because that's just he wasn't on the team last year but the second Bergeron goes you have to you have to pay um unless you want to tank and if you want to tank like I've said in the past like for a year I have no issue with the Bruins sucking for a year but if they want to stay competitive they're gonna have to pay for for a top end center and that means prioritizing where the allocated money is going on your roster and don't put it in the bottom of the forwards. You just don't need, you don't need to, you have too many hungry players that, that can do that for you for cheap.
0: Yeah. And just to, while you were talking, Brian, I just did some, some quick math here and, and that's always dangerous for me. Yes. But
2: us journalists uh, should not be allowed to do math.
0: Assuming Pavel Zach is cap. So I'm accounting Pavel Zach is probably a third liner. You know, he might slide up like with Marshando, but most likely a third liner, uh, say his cap comes in somewhere around three million dollars the bruins will have about 20 million dollars tied up on the third and fourth line that is a quarter of your cap space like to your point like that's just that's not how you should be spending your money a a quarter of your cap space should not be spent on the third and fourth line it should be like half that
1: yeah and and like like i said you're not you're very rarely gonna come across a McAvoy or a Pashnak in your system, or a Martian or a Bergeron, who by the way, like those guys have been playing on team friendly deals their entire careers. But your your prospect system is never gonna produce all the time those high end players. But like I said, and this goes for every NHL team, every NHL team should always be able to have two or three fourth liners ready to go any given year. Because I'll tell you something guys, the, the, the margin of difference between those those players is nothing crazy. Somebody tell me the difference between Tim Schaller and Sean Corrali. Somebody tell me the difference between you know Nordstrom and you know Nosek. It's not it's not that much. And obviously some of those guys they paid for, but some of those guys were from this. They're all different. They all came from different places. But my point is that's my point. It's like it doesn't matter where you get them from. They're all the same. So you shouldn't be paying for someone. You could just bring somebody up that you drafted a couple of years ago. Gives, yeah, and, give especially, and especially
0: where the Bruins have organizationally put value on defense and two way play, it's like, okay, well, if guys have that foundation, then they at the very least they should be able to do that. Like they should be like Johnny Beecher should be ready to play a fourth line role because even if he's not scoring, like supposedly he plays defense and he's physical and he's fast and like he has a bunch of NHL, you know, uh characteristics. So it's like yeah like I understand you probably want to spend some time in Providence playing high in their lineup because you want to see like if there is still untapped offense there but if you didn't have all this money tied up uh you know on your third and fourth line already like he's a guy who I would look at and be like well he can fill that role can he like why not yep. and and maybe he finds some offense at the NHL level um but yeah like saying you know, same with, like, a Mark McLaughlin who, ha, you know, has always been uh, a very good defensive two-way player. Like, he should be able to fill a slot. Like, that and, – and those guys might get a chance, especially early on anyways. But, yep. um, yeah, you like, you shouldn't have to pay. Those guys should be ready to do that, at least to a level where you're like, okay, we'll work with them throughout the season. And, you know, by the time you get to crunch time later in the regular season, they know what they're doing out there.
1: And what happens is, like – say 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 McLaughlin, you you give him fourth line minutes right now for a couple of years at cheap, right? Say he thrives as a fourth line player and he's due for a pay raise after that you let him go and you let and you let the next you let the next wave yeah. that, that, that you were developing while he was playing for you come in. and if like Beecher say for Beecher, say he thrives to the point where he's he thrives to the point where he's like a top six forward or a really solid third liner and he's due for a pay grade for a pay raise. Now you make a decision. Do we want to let him walk or do we do we want to keep him? But those players, while you have guys on, you know, cheap 3-3 three, three year deals like while they're on that deal, you should be drafting and developing the next wave and when those guys that are currently on the team are are free agents, you you, you let them walk because you're paying the top half of your roster. Like there's, there's a reason why some players are irreplaceable and others are replaceable, and you have to identify which ones are worth the money and which ones you just let go through like a revolving door. Not to be not to like you know discredit players, but the fact of the matter is, mo- a lot of players you know are replaceable, and there are some like McAvoy and Pashnak, you, you you pay them a top a number one center, you pay him. You can't. I can't believe that you said there was twenty million locked up in their bottom six or whatever the hell it was. That's it's just way too why- much.
2: Yeah, Charlie Coyle is getting you know up over five million dollars a year on his contract. Still, that contract hasn't not aged well at all. Um, and the Nick Foligno one is is the the big one. But Craig Smith, even still, he's over three million. And now when when Zacha does finish his arbitration, he's going to be a cap hit of more than three million a year, I believe. And I think Hollow was Hollow was um, a smaller cap hit than him right yeah. scott i think he was like
0: it was like 2.3 3 something yeah
2: yeah so that's going to be that's going to take up a little bit of more more cap space because um it's expected that saka will get over you know north of 3 million once this arbitration is over
0: well, well and just to point out like they could also still agree to a deal before his arbitration hearing that's that's still on the table and that that could potentially come in under that If it's, you know, you give him a a couple more years and, you know, maybe it stays under that, but
2: yeah. And he's, he's 25 years old and, and the, you know, some speculation is that's one of the reasons why New Jersey wanted to make the move was because they knew this arbitration could be, you know, he he was going to end up with a bigger contract um, than they were willing to pay.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I guess now's a good time to talk about him. Right. And, and um, the differences between him and Holla, and if you think it's a, a net positive or not, I mean I'll throw it to you guys first.
0: Yeah, I, I think it is. I think it was a good trade. Um, you got six years younger, you got a, a similarly versatile forward in terms of someone who can play center or wing. Um, you know, you get a little more size, and Zach is not an overly physical player, but he, he can he can use this size to you know shield guys off or get inside. Um so I think. When you, I think that's key because I think when you watched Eric Halla, you know, and look, Eric Halla had some really good stretches last year. There's no denying that, and it wasn't just a product of playing where he played with Hall and Pasenak. He also elevated his game and played pretty well. He he produced even late in the regular season when Pasternak was out injured. Um, but then you got to the playoffs and. I thought especially in the D zone, he just got pushed around by Carolina. Like he got he lost defensive coverages. He also got muscled off positions. And I just thought really struggled in that series. And you know, the Bruins aren't gonna say it because they're not gonna throw him under the bus on his way out. But I feel like that was kind of an eye-opener for them where they were like, We can't have that. Like we gotta, we gotta change that spot. Um and you hope Saka you know, provides at least a little bit more stability that way. Um, He is still young enough where, you know, like he, he obviously in New Jersey didn't live up to being the sixth overall pick. The offense to this point in his career has not really come. Maybe there's still some there, but, you know, you also get him into a better defensive system and Jim, you know, even with Cassidy on Jim Montgomery's teams have been good defensively in the past so, you know, you get him in there, get him to learn from Bergeron for a year, assuming Bergeron's back. Like, you, you can still get him to a point where he's, whether it's at center or the wing, where he's an effective middle six forward for you. And if more offense comes, then, then it's a steal. I mean, because Holla only had one year left. So, you know, and even, like, in a pinch like what where Holla played on the second line last year, I, I feel like, Zach, I could – more or less produced the way Holla did. Like, you know, it might be a little less rush oriented, but that's kind of what the Bruins want anyways. Like they, they've all said it, you know, in the playoffs, your chances off the rush go down and it has to be more, you know, in zone play and cycle play. And, and I do think Zach can be better equipped for that sort of style than Holla was.
2: Yeah. Well, also I don't know if it's worth mentioning or not, but Saka's only played in five career playoff games. So uh, that, and and that was a while ago. That was in the 2017-18 season because obviously the the Devils have had some struggles recently making the playoffs. And just looking at his numbers, his defensive numbers are a little bit rough. Last season, he was a minus 21. Um, That's clearly something that, it, it might be of concern. Um, he's only had one season where he was in the plus um, also could be a result of playing for yeah, some I mean, devils teams, teams that were so. those, those devil teams that were not good teams. So um, I don't think it'll be as, you know, as, as bad as those numbers were recently. And he had 15 goals last season, uh, which actually the last two seasons he's played, those were his highest um point totals that he's had and goal totals that he's had. So maybe he's, um, you know, ready to take another step up when he comes and gets a change of scenery because he's spent his entire career so far with the devils. So probably it was time for him to get a new look anyway. And you mentioned being drafted that high overall, he's gotten a lot of criticism in New Jersey for, for, you know, he didn't, you know, choose to get picked six overall, but he goes that high. So he gets, treated like he should produce like a star and he hasn't so maybe a little bit of the pressure comes off of him when he comes to Boston.
1: Yeah, I I haven't lost a a second of sleep uh over this trade. Uh, nothing against Eric Hala, but he's like
2: I do feel bad because Halla has gotten traded a lot. Yeah and that's and and he has moved teams a lot. To
1: Scott to Scott's point earlier, it's like it took it took for the Bruins um it took for the first round against Carolina to kind of see Halla struggle for the, for the management to be like, Oh wait, he wasn't, he wasn't the fix. Oh, you mean a guy, a guy that's bounced around half the league, um, you know, wasn't your fix on the second line. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Minnesota,
2: Vegas, Carolina, Florida, Nashville, Boston, New Jersey.
1: You know, you don't, you don't bounce around that much without some, some glaring deficiencies. And, you know, I I didn't hate Halla as a player. I thought he was fine. Um, But like, you know, like I said, when when I found out Krejci wasn't coming back last summer, I, I I knew the Bruins' ceiling just significantly dropped. You you can't you can't go on a on a and look if they beat Carolina in that game, could they've gone on a little bit of a run to the fi- conference finals? Maybe they could have beaten the Rangers for sure, but like they had a ceiling when Krejci left, and I just knew that it wasn't going to be Stanika. Uh, I didn't think it was going to be Halla. I certainly knew it wasn't going to be Coil. Um, and they, they they got by, but it just whatever. So, um, I thought Hollow was a, was a fine player, but I think he's, like I said a few minutes ago, he's replaceable. And I think, you know, Zaka, like, like you guys said, he's five or six years younger. Um, he's bigger and he has potential. I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe he, Boston has a way of, um, you know, uh, allowing players to to, to round their game out because it's a, it's a better structure. You got better players than you do in New Jersey, um, so maybe what, maybe Zaka goes to Boston and kind of starts to showcase some more potential, like we kind of feared DeBrusque was going to do at the deadline if he went somewhere else, right? So um, same draft. Yeah, I think
2: actually that that is kind of like a, it's not an exact comp, but if you think about where they were in their careers, they're both young guys who were drafted in the first round that didn't perform up to first round like standards. And probably, you know, as we saw what played out with DeBrusque both of the guys are a little bit frustrated having to deal with that pressure with um with the teams they were drafted with. So I mean it, it I do think it's it's makes it a little bit easier now that Debrusque has um rescinded his trade request. <laughs> just kind of one of those other weird things yeah. that happened this off season.
1: Well he he also um it, it was was this year Debrusk's highest goal total? Or was it? Or was it? Uh, yeah, couple- I think he
0: did pass his career high. Yeah,
1: well, his his I think his career high was twenty seven, but I don't know if that was this year or back back in like 17, 18, 19. But like as a middle as a middle first round pick, DeBrusque is like as inconsistent as he's been, because he had a resurgence he, at the end of last year. He could sit there. He and was now- too short of his career. Yeah, I was gonna high. say
2: twenty five this year, and he had tw- those twenty seven goals was was in his second season.
1: Yeah, so I mean, as a middle first round pick, a- as inconsistent as he's been. You know, he can hang his hat on the fact, like, I've had a couple 25-plus goal seasons as a middle first-round pick and only getting only getting older and, and, and you know, more comfortable in the league, so has uh, definitely outperformed Zaka uh, as a first-rounder to this point in their careers, but, um, I, I, yeah, I, I like the trade. Um, Hollow is not a long-term fixture on this team. As Scott said, he only had a, a year left on his deal, and... and um, you know Zaka certainly has has the the more uh potential of an upside with his youth and size so I, i'm cool with it um yeah.
0: yeah and on Zaka there's so there's some like some underlying numbers that suggest that you know maybe he's not he's probably a better two-way player than like plus minus would indicate he was second in the devils in, in Corsi 4 percentage last here year here we go here
2: yep.
1: we
0: go uh he was third among devils forwards in Evolving hockey's defensive rating. He was one of the few who actually had a positive defensive rating. Um, you know, so just like there's something that, like, he, I think he's a perfectly solid player. And hopefully you get him into a better system, surrounded by better teammates. And maybe, you know, some of the offense and some of his potential comes out a little bit more.
1: That's the hope. That's the hope. And, and I, I again, to tie it back to, Krejci and Bergeron, like I, I don't, I don't get the feeling that the Bruins would have signed uh, or traded for Pavel Zaka um, as a second line center, considering the fact that he has underperformed uh, as a as a young pro. Um, and you, you, and you, you did know Hollow was capable of doing the job to an extent. So again, I just feel like they're not trading for him. They're not swapping him for Hollow one v one to make him your new second line center. It's I just I just it's just that that move made that move told me that that, that Krejci and Burgeron should be returning. Um obviously if they if, if one doesn't, then Zaka will probably be asked to do something he's probably not capable of doing or hasn't shown he's capable of doing, but he'd be yeah, no different than cer- Hollow. Certainly not
0: right now, but you know, another angle to this is like if he, if there is still, you know, some untapped potential there, like maybe he develops into a good enough second line center in a couple of years. years. Um, you know, like, I think, I think it's clear. And the Bruins probably should have been doing this for, or not probably definitely should have been doing this for several years now, but it's clear now that like they are at least taking some swings when it comes to centers in terms of, you know, longer term guys. Like they, they signed Markkula they they used their first three picks on centers in this year's draft um you know you trade for a Zaka, like this is the kind of stuff they they really should have been doing you know probably starting around like 2017 18 19 like should have been taking these swing you know like that way you would know by now if some of those swings had connected or not because now you're sort of probably like 3 to 4 years behind behind the ball um but like it's better than nothing, I guess. Like, at least there are now young centers you can look at and say, like, obviously they're not all going to hit, but maybe one or two of them do. So, you know, that's... But again, you're not... You're, I don't think... Uh, yeah, like, I almost feel like you're not really doing Zach a justice if you're throwing him into that, that role this year because, to your point, it's like he hasn't really... Do, he hasn't done it. Um, and now you're going to, like, throw him into even a higher pressure environment than new jersey and like ask him to sink or swim there like it's it's almost unfair honestly like he would be so much better off on a third line role where you know yeah sure he can move up in a pinch now and then but like i you just look you look at the way this roster is right now it's like third line left wing is such an obvious opening in place to put him
1: yep um i had I know you wanted to talk about the uh, the the Johnny Goudreau news, Scott. I did want to touch on one thing before that, because it, it involves the Bruins a little bit, bit of a pipe dream, bit of a pipe dream. But um, here we go. I, 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 don't, I, I think I know where you're going. I this. don't. I don't know who it was, and, and that's. I I was gonna try to go back and find it, but I didn't want like ads or audio to play over the recording, so I didn't do it. But there was there was an insider up in Canada. Um, basically talking about the Matthew Kachuk situation, <laughs> and I was blown away. Um, basically, the, the the guy at the inter, the interviewer said, "Who do you think the favorites would be?" and and the insider said, "Well, it's way too early to tell, but I can tell you that the obvious favorites would be St. Louis and Boston because of you know Kachuk family ties and whatnot." Um, guys, there is no. There is no planet where the Bruins could trade for Matthew Kachuk. I I mean –
0: Well, there's one planet. Well,
1: Pashnak, right?
0: Yep, that's it. That's That's it. That's the planet.
1: (laughs) I mean, I'm not – I love Matthew Kachuk. I'm not ready to make that deal. Um, I was trying – and I I was thinking to myself, it's like, okay, you can't just say, you know, one place is good because it's a favorite because of family ties. It's like, does that team you're talking about, do they have – do they have what it takes to trade for that player? No. The answer, yeah. besides Pashnak, the answer is no. Unless there's, no. you guys know something I don't. I mean, I tried no. to think of an absolute steal of a package in the Bruins' favor. I was like, I don't know, like a Carlo and a DeBrusque and a couple of – there was no trade I could think of where I was like that. the Bruins wouldn't just get – you know, laughed out of a, of a phone call. So.
2: Well, yeah. Well, hey, I've seen some like trade proposals, but they're all, they're all just to be funny. Like there, there's no, i have yet to see one that was like, okay, this makes sense. Like the, the, there's one I saw today, which was tweeted out by uh, insane fan trades. And it's just the, the idea of Boston getting Kachuk and Milan Lucic back. <laughs> and then like just this myriad of, people that they would give up with DeBrus, Smiths, Smith, Stenika, Frederick and Felino and like picks. And it's yeah. like, okay, well, they're not going to take yeah. all these guys. <laughs>
0: I saw like someone like quote tweeted that and put like the Bruins going to back up the
1: garbage truck. I guess, I guess if there were a trade that didn't involve Pasternak, I mean, it would, you know, you're certainly saying goodbye to Fabian Lysel. Um, you know, as part of a package, but it's. I just. I only bring it up because this wasn't some silly fan on Twitter saying this. It was. It was a, a Canadian TSN insider, and it's just like. I, and you know, to be fair, the guy said, "Look, I haven't done any research on what teams could offer," but he go. He just said, "Saint." He said the favorites in my mind would be St. Louis and Boston, and the second he said Boston, I was like, "But there's that's just." irresponsible to even say that (laughs) (laughs) it's just the Bruins have no (laughs) shot of doing that but you know St. Louis does make sense because that's where he grew up but also if you're St. Louis like yeah what like Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas like they have some young players that like would entice Calgary for like like a more of a hockey deal than more of a a futures deal
0: yeah I guess like the only hope would be that if if somehow like the price for him maybe isn't as high as People are thinking because he only has one year left and it's like, okay, well, now, you know, maybe Calgary's in a position where it's like, well, we have to get – if he's not re-signing here, we have to get something for him. But I just think there's going to be too many teams interested that, like, that's not the mark you're going to end up with. If it was only, like – say it was only, like, St. Louis and a couple other teams that even had the money or, or the ability to sign him long-term, like, it, okay, if it were a situation like that, I'd say – all right, maybe the price won't be as high as as everyone initially thinks, right? Because you hear Matthew Kachuk's on the market, and, like, your initial reaction is it's going to take a young star or, like, multiple blue-chip prospects. If it were only, like, a couple teams that were really in play, I could see it being lower, and maybe you can start to enter the conversation with something other than Pasternak on the table. But... I just think there's going to be too much of a market. I think too many teams are going to be interested. Like players like Kachuk don't become a, just like a number one center doesn't become available often. Like players like Kachuk don't become available often. A player who can score like that and who plays that physically, like he's he's every team's dream power forward. Yeah. And, basically
2: Calgary is going to go from a team that I enjoyed watching a lot to just completely like –
1: just self-destructed. Well, just
2: yeah. you, you t- you're Calgary. You're Cal- You're a Calgary fan. You're like, okay, well, the,
1: no Kuchuk, no Goudreau. Well, and that's the just, thing. Just, just
2: cold up here in Calgary. We don't really.
1: <laughs> that's the thing, though, Bridget. It's not just no Gaudreau. It's you, they lost Johnny Goudreau for nothing. You lost in the free yep. agency. So the last thing Calgary is going to let happen is let that happen again with Kachuk, right? You have to. You can't lose him for nothing. So I don't know what I don't know what Kachuk's like. You know. Clauses right now. I don't know what you know what his no trade list is or cla- I don't know what that is. But if if, if Kachuk pretty much has like a save, if, if it's kind of like a Taylor Hall situation where it's like Kachuk basically p- pins Calgary in a corner of where to trade him to, and it's either that or lose me for nothing. I mean, I guess you know crazier things have happened, but uh, I don't know. I just thought it was worth bringing up, but um, I don't think it's very realistic, but. But but Matthew Kachuk is on the move. Like everybody is in, is in agreement that like he's he and I think I just saw something on Twitter. Uh, an insider broke news that like he informed Matthew Kachuk informed the Flames he's not going to resign with them. So yeah, it was, they have it was to Jeremy
0: cheer. Rutherford of the Athletic who who covers the Blues. So obviously has the St. Louis connections there.
1: Yeah. So Matthew Kachuk is going to be traded. Um, I mean that's 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 a reality because like I said, Calgary can't lose him for nothing. Um so that's something that's worth keeping an eye on. And, and and Scott, I know you wanted to talk about the East getting better, right? And and, and Matthew yeah, and Chuck could be one of those guys that goes out East to, to another Eastern Conference team, like Johnny Gaudreau.
0: Yeah. So you have Gaudreau coming into the East with Columbus. Uh, really, the big one is is Ottawa, who adds Claude Giroux, trades for Alex DeBrinkett. and all of a sudden, like you look, you know, they they get Josh Norris locked up. And, like you look at their top six, especially, and it's like. That, assuming those guys, you know, continue to develop, like that's a top six that's going to compete with anyone for, you know, for a while. Like you've got Drew Norris, Brady Kachuk, Drake Batherson, to bring it, uh you know, Tim Stutzler is a talented young developing player. Like I still think they need some work on the back end, but, and you know, so I don't know if like they're a playoff team next year. I'd say if, one of the current because there's such a huge gap between playoff teams and non-playoff teams last year, it's like someone's gonna have to do a lot for that gap to close. Whether it's a team falling off or or one of the other teams making a jump, so I think like Ottawa's definitely in position to close that gap, as is Columbus after adding Gaudreau. Um I think you know the Bruins. If the Bergeron and Crazy sign, the Bruins should be fine. Like I don't can't imagine they would be in danger of missing the playoffs. If anything, I'd look more to a team like Washington as one that's, you know, in danger of taking a step back. But, you know, there's other teams coming. And, you know, we talked, I think, on the last episode, like, I didn't love what Montreal did in the draft, but there's certainly young talent there. Uh, Detroit has some young talent. But, you know, specifically in the Bruins division, Ottawa is clearly a team that's coming. And, you know, I'm sure they're looking at it as, like, Hey, the Bruins are kind of like the older team here that maybe we can pick on, and you know that like you you may very well be the team that they have in their sights as the one that they can you know jump up to try to knock off. So um, it's not going to be as much of a you know a clear Grand Canyon between the haves and the have nots. Like I think that gap is gonna
2: is gonna close this
1: year. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, and and. That wasn't – you know, Johnny Gaudreau moving to the Eastern Conference was just one of the names that you look at and you go, okay, wow, some serious, like, shifts are happening where talent that teams in the Eastern Conference don't get to play really all that much and now going to be playing for teams that you see multiple times a year, you might see in the playoffs. Brent Burns coming over to Carolina, that's going to be a completely different look for a lot of teams. I mean, Carolina.
0: And and Max Pacioretty. And
2: Max Pacioretty. They they got both of them. They they got rid of Tony (laughs) D'Angelo. They they traded some younger guys um, in order to acquire Brett Burns, which, by the way, Carolina's not even going to have to pay that full contract. I think that the Sharks still have, like, 33% of the contract, uh, of Burns' contract that uh, they'll retain. But so... Burns coming over, he's getting a little bit older, but he's such a solid defenseman that that teams around here just don't get to see as much. And they're clearly trying to make some adjustments to what they thought, you know, maybe what went wrong for them in the playoffs, because they made it past the Bruins and then they, they didn't, you know, push their way further than the Rangers. And so they, I guess, move out tony d'angelo who's a smaller more skilled defenseman and bring in brett burns who's obviously massive and physical
1: and, and you know yeah i'm yes, i'm interested that. to see
0: what 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 burns has left in the tank because like his play has definitely dropped off in recent years to the point where he's really hasn't been worth that contract which is why san jose had to retain some of it um but i i do still think there's a good player in there and i wonder if Getting him onto a good team with, you know, a a defensive coach in Moore who might be able to cover up some of the slippage in his game on that end. Like, you know, can he still find a good place where where he's, you know, not just a top four defenseman who puts up points, but like a legitimately really good top four defenseman again for, uh, you know, a team that hopes to be contending for a cup.
1: And there's been, you know, there's been some player movement throughout the East as well, um, from team to team. Like there's been some trades, some some good mm. young players. Trocek. Who? Trocek. Yeah, well, Vinny Trocek went, you know, to the Rangers via free agency. Um, but you know, you had uh, the Devils traded Ty Smith uh, to the Penguins, um, and John Marino was going the other way to New Jersey. Who was, you know, two really good young defensemen for their teams swapping places. I know Jeff Petrie's in Pittsburgh now. Um, you know, Scott was talking about the Senators earlier. I, I don't know uh, if Jake Sanderson is going to be a you know opening night player for the Senators, but he's another really good young defenseman who's going to be a, a big part of their future. So it's going to be a very interesting landscape. I mean, the, I think Tampa is going to take a step back towards the pack this year. I think you know you, you lose um, you know Ryan McDonough, you lose Andre Pilat who also is going to New Jersey. So I, I see a really and you know. Columbus gets Johnny Gaudreau we talked about, so I I, I see a, a pretty open playing field in the Eastern Conference this year. Uh, like Scott said before, the the, the gap between playoffs and non playoff teams was so wide last year, and it was pretty much determined from like you know Christmas on. Um, I think it's going to be a tightly contested conference this year, and I think that you know the Bruins, assuming they sign Bergeron and Krejci, they'll be able to weather that storm without Martian and. and um, mcavoy easier than they otherwise would have but you know if they struggle out the gate like you know ottawa can absolutely have an opportunity there um montreal, I, you know, D- though. Detroit...
2: M- montreal didn't do a heck well, of a lot to
1: they're still rebuilding though i mean they're they're still they're still accepting the fact that they're not going to be there right away which is fine um but you know detroit's another team that's made that's taking some strides i mean they're they're a little bit further along in their rebuild than montreal and i think they're trying to they're trying to get back into um into some playoff conversation too. I still think Detroit's a little, a little bit away, but I mean they have some young players too. I mean you're looking in the conference. I mean the uh, the, the division. I mean Moritz Seider is you know he's going to be a perennial you know Norris Trophy candidate. I mean he uh, he won he he won the Calder this past year, and I think he'll he'll be in the Norris conversation. And they had a couple players in the Calder um, conversation. So everybody's getting better. Um, I think the Bruins are in that conversation too. I think. For 2022-2023, if they reassign Bergeron and Krejci, they're better than they were last year. What does that mean for the following season? I don't know, but I do think it's going to be a tightly contested conference this year. I think Florida is going to take a step back too. I mean, I think they got exposed last year um, defensively. I don't think they'll have as have as easy as a go this year offensively. I think you know they lost Giroux obviously in free agency, so. And Toronto's going to be kicking around, too. They're always kicking around. Um, the drama, the soap opera that is up in, in Toronto.
0: Completely changed out their goaltending, and I think might have gotten worse in goal.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't know it's what they the, They I, tried. Well, and, and to that point, it's like, I, I don't know why you don't pay you don't pay Jack Campbell. Now he goes up to Edmonton. Edmonton gets kind of a solve. like that. Their goal, goal has been a huge weakness for the Oilers, so you know, the flame, the flames are getting worse. So now Connor McDavid and dry like, you know, it wasn't long ago where they were, they weren't making the playoffs. And there was talk about them maybe leaving Edmonton when their deals are up. And now it's kind of like the Pacific is kind of looking like it's Edmonton's to, to lose for the next couple of years. So
0: them in Vegas, and, you know, we'll see how Cassidy does in Vegas, but obviously, you know, they've had their own issues. They just had to give away Max ready for nothing. Um, but still, you know, a really solid team there.
1: Yeah, so this, this was around the NHL with the skate pod. Um,
2: well, yeah, I'm just looking, like, when we eventually do our – like we did last season, when we eventually do, like, right before the season starts our – what we think the final standings are going to look like. I'm just, like, l- looking through this, and I definitely can see some changes. Um, but, yeah, no, it's going to be an interesting – the, the whole – Columbus thing will be interesting this, this upcoming season.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll have to see how, how the roster shake out closer to October, but
2: um. yeah, obviously the Bruins still don't have technically a first or a second line center. So (laughs) technically things could be pretty bad.
1: Hopefully we
0: have an answer by the time we do that preseason episode.
2: And hopefully (laughs) we don't have an answer in the next 10 minutes. And then we have to take the podcast down and put it back, put back another one. (laughs)
1: one other um one of the things by
2: the way i keep like scrolling through twitter like just knowing uh, no, just no. like is this gonna happen is it they're gonna burn. we gonna get burned
1: bridget it's it's not gonna happen until we stop recording we know this um yeah one one of the one other thing too i i uh i talked about this week on on twitter and it just, it just dawned on me you know we're getting two new bruins uniforms this year little fashion segment right. Oh, quick. there but you go.
2: I forgot about the fashion you got, segment.
1: You got you got reverse retros and you got uh and you got the winter classic. So they're gonna introduce two sets of jerseys this year. And there's been no leaks, so maybe we have to get Pete Blackburn on again to to, to tell us something. Um any any How the
2: heck does he find out
1: he's plugged <laughs> in. he's plugged in. Do you do you guys have any uh any wish list? I mean I think the Bruins reverse retro the first time around, I think, was flawless. And, I, and, and we talked about it with Pete. I want that to be their third jersey and have their their blacks and white jerseys, you know, be those same ones uh, as, as yeah. the reverse retro. But, um, you know, people are talking about maybe a, a reverse Pooh Bear or whatever. I mean, is there any, any wish list that you guys kind of want to see the Bruins tackle with some of this, uh, this creativity on the horizon?
2: you know me i don't usually get involved too much in the fashion thing. <laughs> i just whatever makes you happy brian <laughs> whatever makes you happy
0: i haven't given it a ton of thought but th- there's so many good good ones they can use for uh for the winter classic like if they go throwback um like oh, I, yeah i always look i, I And I think they've used, I don't know if they've used it for one of the Winter Classics, like they've played so many of them now, but I always like the, like the B without the spokes in the middle with the, you know, on the white with the big black and yellow stripes. I I think they have used that before.
2: For a Winter Uh, Classic jersey?
0: Yeah, or it was some sort of throwback jersey, like
1: within the last decade or so.
2: Yeah, I think but that it. They wore that yeah, in I, I see what you're talking they, they about. Wore I that just wore that
1: uh, at Notre Dame against 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 the Blackhawks. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah, I don't know.
0: Maybe I don't like a... those.
2: I don't like those weird ones that they had um, when they played at Fenway with like the the spoke and the B is like a little like bubbly letter, like yellow B. Yeah, I
0: didn't love that one.
2: On a yellow jersey, that wasn't a great one.
1: <laughs> Maybe put a. Put crack bear on the front of the jersey. That's, that's, <laughs> that's what I was hoping for. Something like that, <laughs> to be honest with
2: you. Uh, to intimidate. Oh yeah. God! Now whatever, whatever you want, Brian. That's what that's what I hope for.
1: Okay. Well, I want the uh, I want the 1970 uh, the 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 Bobby Orr era white jerseys. I want those glistening at Fenway. That's what I want. <laughs> They wore them. They wore them back in like oh three oh four too, as like a the NHL had like a like a retro thing again back then. But it's it's the, the jerseys of the Bruins won the cups in in the seventies, but just the white versions. I think those are sick. Um, but I kind of bombarded you guys. I didn't give you guys enough preparation. I mean, if if you go on if you go on like uh, jerseyhistory.com, whatever, like the Bruins have. So- Did you
2: start this website? Is this something you made?
1: <laughs> it's not. It's not. But like. They've worn so many jerseys but I got to be honest like from like from like the the 50s from like the 40s to the 70s like they're pretty much the same thing they're just like you know some have no spokes some have, it's all the same so they're running out of they're running out of things to choose from cuz they've had so many outdoor games um I don't know how much more creative they can really get just you know go back to the Neely Bork era jerseys and I'll be happy as a clam I'll never talk about jerseys again that and the ducks have to go back to the mighty ducks You'll I, never I hear from saw me again. you tweet that you today. Will never I hear knew that was coming. You will never hear from me again if, if the ducks go back. Everybody else in the league has good uniforms, great uniforms as a matter of fact. Do you,
0: do you guys follow at uh, JFreshHockey? Fresh no. Hockey? He's like he's like a really like advanced stats nerd guy. He he he, he, he runs a Twitter
2: account.
0: If you ever see like the player cards that get tweeted out, like all the advanced analytics on it, like that's from him. Yeah. Um, but he did like a. He, did, he did, did like a fan poll all about jerseys, and uh, it was like it, basically you could rank by tier current jerseys, and then he also did throwbacks. And the Ducks ranked dead last yep. for – or no, actually, sorry, it was the logos. It wasn't specifically jerseys. But either way, the Ducks ranked dead last for current logos and first in the throwback logos.
1: Oh, yeah, I, I did see that. I quote tweeted it. And I and I, I I said to the Ducks, I said, consider this an online intervention. We only want what's best for you. I mean, it's a fucking it, it's it's disgusting. It's 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 puke diarrhea looking, web duck D, and it, the, the 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 striping on the jersey is embarrassing. Uh, I'm glad they got voted last, and I'm glad that. Uh, I just feel bad. I keep tweeting at their their social media kid, and he's like a 22 year old out of like you know, UCLA or something like that, but.
2: No, but what what I like about about this Brian is that you're you're passionate about it enough to do something about it and, and get into people's DMs. <laughs> Didn't you do that with USA Hockey? Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: they, they yeah they, they left me on red, so I'll <laughs> we'll have to get back at them in four years. Anyway, uh, I think we're probably good, guys. Yeah, I'm sweating my ass off. It's like 95 degrees outside. It's like yeah. 120 yep. where I am in this room. So
2: I'm gonna go jump in the pool with my dog.
1: All right. Well. um... Thank you for listening to episode 102, and we'll talk to you guys soon.